Hey guys, Kyler back with Kyler Burrell's Unedited Podcast, episode number 124. Wow, what a game. Um, Jeez, what a game. Super Bowl, overtime, Mahomes. What a game that was. I mean, you know, people might, I mean, I think, you know, I saw a lot of people bitching, oh, it's kind of Super Bowl boring. I thought it was, I thought it was good. Um, You know, yeah, it wasn't, you know, in the 30s, 40s for scoring, but I thought it was, I thought it was a really good game. It had excitement, had some big plays, turnovers. Um, it was, I thought it was exciting. It was a really good game. What a battle between both teams. Um, so we're definitely going to get into that. Reactions to the game. Talk a little bit about Brock Purdy, Niners, uh, Chiefs defense. And we'll obviously talk about Mahomes and that offense, the other side of the ball. After that, we'll get into my college basketball rankings. Fee versus me, big games of the week. Uh, we'll be diving in. This It's a short rundown, UFC 298. And then mock draft. We're gonna obviously we're gonna talk about the Super Bowl for a while, and then also dive into UFC 298. Big card on Saturday, a uh, huge card, and we obviously have to do a mock draft post Super Bowl right after draft order official one through thirty two. Uh, it'd be a no trade one round mock. Well, let's kick it off with the Super Bowl, of course. Reactions to the game. Wow. Um, Chiefs win it. Let's put up. Let's pull up some numbers. But Chiefs win it. Um, Twenty five. Verse or 25 22 and overtime. Um, Chiefs kicked a field goal to tie it with about three seconds left, I think it was. Um, and then the Niners obviously just took a knee and took it in overtime. Me and my, me and my, uh, me and the boys are having a conversation uh, about, you know, um, what would you do, you know, if you won the toss in overtime with the way it is now? Um, I think we agreed, you know, uh, Colby, I got what he was coming from. He said he'd rather have the ball, and Shanahan said why he would rather have the ball. You know, if we score and if we score a touchdown, they score a touchdown. You know, if it go the next overtime, we know if we get it, all we need is a field goal to win. Um, so I understand. I think it's a preference thing. Andy Reid and Mahomes both said that if we won the toss, we were deferring. Um, so it was a preference um, either way. Um, but, yeah, I was, you know, to start off with the game, um, man, 10-3 at half felt really good for the Chiefs. I thought the Chiefs were extremely poor on the offense side of the ball in the first half. Good defensively, which of course all year they have been. Um, but I thought really, really poor offensively, and I thought they got away 10-3. I know you can say, well, they kicked a field goal inside the 10, and you know they turned it over inside the 10, of course. But I felt like the Niners were just moving, were just kind of controlling the game, and it felt like 10-3 was a lot. But that Chiefs defense, man, like I said, we're going to get into them in a minute, but man, they held the Niners well. Um, 10-3 at half. Like I said, I thought the Chiefs were should have felt blessed, in my opinion, to be only down seven at half. Um, they end up making it, they end up scoring 10 in the third. Uh, obviously, the muff punt was huge. The Chiefs got a field goal, and then Niners, Niners punted. And then the Chiefs punt, and they get a muff, or kind of a muff punt off a guy's foot. Recovery, next play, Valdez, gaining touchdown. Chiefs up 13-10 all of a sudden. Um, Niners then would score to go up 16-13. Man, that missed extra, that blocked extra point was huge. Uh, Chiefs were then able to uh, get a field goal out there, uh, again to tie it. And, it, you know, that one, they first and goal at the three, and they couldn't get in the end zone. They lose two yards, they end up kicking it. Niners drive down. Just a two-minute warning, third, big third and five. Great play call by Spags to draw up the blitz. Incomplete pass. So they saved the other timeout as well. So they end up having two timeouts with about a minute 50. 
uh, down 19-16. They drive down. Uh, they get a big play to Kelsey. Uh, I think they had first down from the 11. They kind of, there's only 10 seconds. They had one timeout. They kind of threw a fade route. Um, it wasn't a great ball by Mahomes. Um, so they kick field goal, goes to overtime. Niners win the toss, and this is where we had the discussion. I, 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 I think it's a preference call. I would rather take the – I would rather uh, – sorry, not defer. I keep saying defer. I would rather play defense first. Um, then play offense first, but that that's just a preference. I'd like to see what the team, the, you know, the other team does. Do we get a stop? Then all we need is a field goal to win. You know, they get a field goal, okay, a touchdown wins. They get a touchdown. We know it's four plays the entire time, all the way down the field. We have to score a touchdown. Uh, Niners get a field goal on their drive. Chiefs defense, they were gas, man, but man, they pulled through a couple big stops. Niners get that first down. Games on, games virtually over. They're gonna run the clock down, kick a field goal. Niners score a touchdown there. You're like, okay, well, now the Chiefs got to score a touchdown, but the defense made. They held them to field goals in key places, and that was huge. Um, uh, so then the Chiefs get the ball, and they drive down the field. And <laughs> I'll hit me, Cole Hardman, man. He made a big catch in the first quarter. Then Pacheco fumbled. That's where you think the Chiefs should get some points there. Um, but a touchdown reception by Cole Hardman to win the Super Bowl. I mean, you, you can't even write this stuff, man. Unbelievable. Um, what a game. Uh, Brock Purdy. I thought he was I thought he was good in spots, but it wasn't enough. He wasn't he didn't deliver a special he didn't really deliver like a special player. It wasn't a special performance that you need because I felt like the Niners had a ton of opportunities to really create separation in this game. They were up, you know, you got up was it 10-0? No. Yeah, 10-0. They're up 10-0, but really after that it was a one-score game after the Chiefs got the field goal the entire way. It felt like the Niners could have created more separation. Um so yeah, that was it wasn't a special performance. And I and I've said this before, I think that I think he's a fine quarterback. I don't think people were ready to put him in the discussion. I saw a bunch of rankings ranking him the best quarterback in the NFC. Listen, I know people love to hate on Dak and Jalen Hurts. He's not better than them. If Dak and Jalen Hurts were playing in that Niners offense, they would win the Super Bowl easily. They are much better quarterbacks than Brock Purdy. He is Jared Goff even. Jared Goff's a better quarterback. Kyler Murray's a better quarterback. Matt Stafford's a better quarterback in the NFC. Those quarterbacks in the NFC are better. Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback than Brock Purdy. I mean, again, it, he plays in a great system. He is a fine quarterback. But I think, you know, the system hides a lot of his flaws. Now, he didn't turn it over tonight. Um, you know, completion is 23 or 30, 38. It's okay. 255 and a touchdown. He played fine. But it wasn't special. And you got it. In, you almost, you can be special and lose. To Mahomes. So if you're not special, you don't, I don't think you really, they had a chance obviously because their defense is magnificent as well. But like, remember Josh Allen, the year the Chiefs scored with 13 seconds off, Josh Allen was virtually flawless in that football game. And he still lost to the Chiefs. If you don't deliver a special performance and bury the Chiefs when I thought the Niners had a really good chance to, bury, bury, bury the Chiefs, you let the Chiefs hang around and it's a Mahomes drive. Whether he was able to go down and get you a field goal or the last drive in overtime to get you the touchdown to win it. The legs of Mahomes won them this game. The legs of Mahomes won Kansas City this game. Um, we're obviously going to get him in a minute. But again, uh, the Chiefs defense, spectacular. Uh, you had 382 yards of offense for the Niners. But again, just key stops to hold them to field goals where you think, oh man, the Niners are going to punch this in for a touchdown. This game's going to be over. Key stops to hold them to field goals. Um, that defense was special, and it's it was special all year. Uh, we're going to look back on this team and be like, oh my, I mean, you're going to look back on it. You're going to say, God, that defense, it's all-time good. That defense was all-time good, all-time good this year. And it, 
it gave the Chiefs going into the playoffs, even though they hadn't played good offense in the regular season for most of the year. They had they had some good games, don't get me wrong, but most of the year they weren't playing their up to their standard of offense. But I think going into the playoffs, they knew, man, if we get now they didn't besides Mahomes, Pacheco didn't have a great game. He had he had some bigger runs later on in the game, but man, if we can rely on the run and we and with our defense, we can still win a Super Bowl. And here they are with the worst offense Mahomes has ever had. And Andy Reid and this Kansas City team has ever had with Andy and Mahomes as a duo. They still find a way to win their third Super Bowl in five years. Um, it's insane. Uh, that Chiefs defense deserves all the credit in the world. Um, they were spectacular. Uh, again, you know, you got, you got some yards, but look, they didn't give up huge, huge plays. The longest reception was 24 yards. They didn't give up a big play to Ayuk. He had, he had three catches, 49. Longest was 20. Jennings played well, but again... Uh, George Kittle had two catches for four yards. He he wasn't spectacular. You know, the run game, they gave up 22 for 80. So under four yards of carry to McCaffrey. I thought they were tremendous. Uh, I just thought the Chiefs defense was unreal. Pacheco at 18.59. And now we're going to get in. Now we're going to get into the greatest of all time, Patrick Mahomes. And that's what he is at this point. Um, he's the greatest quarterback I've ever seen. He's the greatest quarterback I've ever seen. Um, worst offense he's had, and he had a bad first half, and he finishes the game. He just the second half was really, really good. Thirty-four, forty-six, three hundred and thirty-three yards, two touchdowns. Did have the bad interception. I'll, I'll, I'll say it. I'll say out of this terrible throw to Kelsey, terrible overthrow. But he, all, this is what won the Chiefs the game. His legs, nine carries for sixty-six yards. It was a. It was he picked up so many big plays on third down, fourth downs. Even he had two fourth down runs that were huge. Uh, Kelsey, he found Kel- and it, Kelsey had one catch for one yard at half. He ends with nine for nine for ninety three. That duo was magnificent. Second half was flawless by the um, by Mahomes and Kelsey, and really just the Chiefs' offense was unbelievable um, in the second half. They're really good. Uh, and shout out to Kyle Shanahan. I thought Kyle Shanahan actually called a really good game. I just think the Chiefs' defense was that good. I thought Shanahan actually called a good game though. Um, but again, Mahomes, man, it's just, I don't even know how to really put it into words at times. Um, uh, just, he's just something different, man. It's, it, there's just never been anyone like him. This is, this was easily, and when I mean easily, easily the worst offense of core he's had in his, in his career as a starter since 2018. Um, by far the worst. And again, I'm I give the all the credit in the world to the defense. He had to make plays though in that second half because you know the defense was getting tired and they were going to give up yards. They were they were great. They were stingy when they need to be though and holding the field goals most of the time. But they were giving up yards because they were gas because they were on the field a lot in that first half. Um, and Mahomes found a way to figure it out and deliver when it mattered most and have a special performance to get it done. And that's why he's the greatest ever. That's why he's the greatest quarterback I've ever seen. Um, it was unbelievable. Um, what a game. What a Super Bowl. Uh, Chiefs do it to the Niners again. I mean, me and, me and Fee, who will be on, we'll, I'll tell you what we're going to be doing tomorrow night. Um, we'll, have a, we'll have a little podcast out tomorrow night that we're going to start doing a little bit. Uh, but we texted, and it's like, the Niners should probably have two Super Bowls. Shanahan should probably have two Super Bowls. And he has, he has, uh, he has none. Because he's run into the greatest, the greatest quarterback ever, in Patrick Mahomes. Uh, it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough. You know, you that Eagles team last year was so good, 
Uh, they were the best team in the NFL last year. And, uh, you know, you should say they should have a Super Bowl. But they ran into Mahomes. You should say Josh Allen is pro- should probably have been to a Super Bowl, but he's ran into Mahomes. Lamar Jackson, they were the best team in football this year. Should have been the Super Bowl, right? But they ran into Mahomes. The boogeyman. Uh, you have to know those Niners, fan- Niners fans watching or sitting there at that Super Bowl. 22-19, you see 15 walk out of the field. You're praying. You're just praying, can we get something, a deflection turnover? Can we somehow get a stop? Because you know 15 is going to find a way to at least get him three, and you're, you're probably thinking 15 is going to find his way into the end zone, and it's a slow death. It's a slow death. down, Up three, you kick a field goal. Patrick Mahomes knows he needs a touchdown to win. It's a slow death. He did it with his legs. did it with his arm. He did it all, man. It was a special performance. And again, I thought the Niners actually played well. I think they just... They didn't capital. The only thing I'll say about the Niners' their offense, they didn't capitalize to burying the Chiefs and being up more than they. I thought at halftime it should have probably been at least 17-3, 23-49ers, you know? I don't even know. That was the only bad thing about the Niners. They just didn't capitalize on burying Kansas City. Um, and you just gave them home too many chances. And I found a way to get it done. What a game it was. Kansas City Chiefs, Mahomes' third Super Bowl. Three Super Bowl MVPs. Uh, he's now with Joe Montana and Brady is the only three quarterbacks to ever do that. And like I said, the worst team, the worst offense he's had. Again, albeit the best defense he's ever had. But the worst offense he's ever had, and uh, they got it done. Um, he had 399 yards of total offense. 333 on the ground. sixty Or 333 through the air. Sorry, not 333 on the ground. 333 through the air. And 66 on the ground, 399 total, two touchdowns. What a performance by Mahomes, man. That's just how it that's just how it goes when you play a great the you know, the greatest ever. You have to bury the Chiefs early, and I the Niners are gonna look back on it, and Shanahan's gonna look and like, God damn it, man. We had them. We had them. We could have buried them early. You like I said, it could have been at least 17-3, could have been 20 or 24-3 even at halftime. They just miss some opportunities and let Mahomes hang around. And you know, again, you know, he's going to find a way if you let him up three. I, I just, I sat there even was like, oh my God, it's a slow death here for Niners fans. It's a slow death. What a Super Bowl. That was a great game. Um, great way to end the year. The Chiefs win at 25-22 in overtime over the Niners. All right, so let's get in. Let me grab a quick drink and let's get into my college basketball rankings. All right. My 14.0 Power 16 college basketball rankings. I officially have moved UConn to one. I think they're the best team in the country. They're deep. Uh, I just love UConn. I, I think I know people are like, well, there's no way a team goes back-to-back. Okay, I understand it's hard to go back-to-back in anything, right? Especially March Madness where you got to win six games and you can't lose. Um, but I think this team is very, very capable of doing it. They're the best team in the country, so they're obviously capable of doing it. And I think Hurley's, in my opinion, he's a top three coach in college basketball right now. Um, tremendous coach. UConn's two, one for me. I think they're. I like them a lot more than Purdue, and that's who I have it too is Purdue. Houston at three, uh, two good wins after the loss to KU. Arizona up to four. They're starting to find a a rhythm now. Uh, North Carolina at five. KU at six. Man, they split again. Lost on the road. This is a big week for can for KU. This is this week right here. This week for KU at Texas Tech at Oklahoma. 
I consider Texas Tech a solid team. I consider Oklahoma an okay team. KU has not won uh, against anybody really that's good on the road in the Big 12. I think their only Big 12 wins Oklahoma State. Uh, so this is a big one. For, this is a big week. If we are legit, and I know we're probably going to be without McCuller on Monday. I still think if we are legit, we should be able to keep playing the defense we've been playing. Been playing really good defense. KU's defense has been really good. Um, I feel like we should we if we want to show that we're a true contending team. And I know it's not just KU. It's fucking hard to win on the road in the Big Twelve. It's it's really really hard to win on the road in the Big Twelve. No matter who it is. But if you're a national title contender, and I'd throw Houston in this car, you expect to go win games on the road as well. And KU needs to go in, beat Texas Tech tomorrow night, Monday night, and needs to go beat Oklahoma on Saturday. If they're a true contending team, they need to go in and win these games this week. They need It's, it's a must. If they want to win the Big 12, if they even want to contend for the Big 12, they must. They lose one of these, I think it's, it's almost a wrap. Houston's not going to lose more than... Houston may lose at most two games the rest of the year. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. It, it's probably at most two, in my honest opinion. At most, it's two. You have to win against Tech and OU on the road. Marquette at seven. They're starting to get good, uh, catch fire. They play UConn on Saturday. Great game. South Carolina at eight. I think they're the best team in the SEC. Tennessee at nine. Duke at 10. Auburn at 11. Iowa State at 12. Virginia, who's really found their footing. I love this team. I, lo- I actually love this team. I actually think they're pretty good. I have them at 13. Illinois at 14. Baylor at 15. I've lost to Kansas, but, you know, they had a chance. They played, they played good at Allen Fieldhouse. Alabama at 16. Next five out, Tech. Utah State, Creighton, Dayton, and St. Mary's are my next five out. Okay, so me, fee versus me, college basketball, big games of the week. Before I do the record and stuff, uh, I don't know how often we're going to do this. I think we're going to try to do it at least on the weekday games for KU, a recap. Per se, it'll be, it'll be a KB Shorts. So it'll probably be 20 to 30 minutes. We'll recap the game, talk about what, you know, what KU did good, if they, you know, what, what was bad, did they, you know, a loss, what went wrong, a win, what did they do to get that win. Um, so, yeah, that'll be out. Uh, we're gonna re- that'll be out tomorrow night after the KU game. It'll be late, so you'll probably see it. Uh, you'll probably see it out on the mo- uh, Tuesday morning. We'll, me and Phil will just sit there and talk and recap the game. We might talk about some other college basketball stuff as well, but it'll mainly be a, a recap of KU. So that'll be out mon- late Monday night, Tuesday morning. Um, so we both went 7-5 and five last week. Um, I'm still four games behind. Um, and we, don't, we differ on three. It almost was four. What else? Did we- yeah, we differ on three. It was almost four, but I, I took Houston. Um, so, okay, tomorrow night, he's actually taking Texas Tech. He thinks KU loses at Tech tomorrow. I'm taking KU, of course. Tuesday, February 13th, Marquette at Butler. We're both on Marquette. Iowa State at Cincinnati. This is when we differ. I am actually taking Cincinnati at home. He's taking Iowa State. Old Miss at Kentucky. I can't see Kentucky losing four straight at Rupp. We're both taking Kentucky. Oklahoma at Baylor on Tuesday as well. We're both taking Baylor. Wednesday, February 14th, this is our next differ. I'm actually taking South Carolina on the road at Auburn to win. Uh, he's taking Auburn. So those are three we differ on. So those are some swing games for us. Um, and then we agree on all of them on Saturday. It's just how it goes, though, you know. You're trying to win, and, you know, obviously I want to come back, but I also can't just – at some point I might have to risk some upsets to come back. But it's we still have – we still have – what? We have the rest of this month to do it, so – 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go nuts yet and push. With the rest of this month and early March, I'm not gonna push it yet. I, I don't want to be seven games back trying to push it. I'm still four back now. A&M at Bama. We're both taking Bama. Marquette at UConn. Again, I just think UConn's so good. We're both taking UConn. I was kind of hoping he'd take Marquette, but smart play is obviously UConn. KU at OU. We're both taking KU. Tech at Iowa State. We're both taking Iowa State. This is the one I thought about. I thought about a Texas over Houston upset, uh, but I'm going Houston. I think Texas just matches up well with them, but I am going Houston. He's going Houston as well. And we're both taking Auburn at home versus Kentucky. So those are a college basketball Big games of the week's picks. Again, he's four up on me. Um, I'm now 79 and 33 on the year since we, we started kind of half. We kind of started after comp, or after non-comp play. So I had done a bunch before. So that's my overall record, 79 and 33. So done with the rankings and college basketball picks. Now let's get into UFC 298. Cannot wait for Saturday. Let me get one more drink. Can't wait for Saturday. What a card. So let's preview the card. Again, I'm going to do the preview of the card, and then I'll give my predictions, and then I'll check odds. Again, I've, I have, I will, I do, I'm not looking at the odds before I make my picks. I don't know what the odds are at all on these fights. So we're just going to go through the ones that we're, we're picking. Um, and the prelims, Justin Taffa taking on uh, Marcus Hargerio de Lima. Um, Taffa is on a four-fight unbeaten streak. He has three wins by knockout. He also has an accidental eye poke that resulted in a um, no contest. So he, he's on a bit of a streak himself after starting off 0-2 in the UFC. Um, he's taken on DeLima, who's been around for a while, um, 38 years old. He's coming off a, uh, the knockout, the 33-second knockout loss to uh, Derek Lewis. Before that, he had won two in a row. He actually won four out of five uh, before that. You know, he's been around for a while in the UFC. He's been around fighting for a while, uh, but he's been in the UFC since 2014, so he's he's been through it all. Um, good fight, tough fight to pick. Ah, I like I like him a lot. I like Tafa de Lima, though, man. Hmm. I'm going to go Tafa via round one knockout. Um, Tafa, 30 years old, very young for heavyweight. De Lima kind of getting on the, you know, 38 still. You're not old at heavyweight, but you're definitely not young. Give me early prediction. These aren't set because, you know, during the weekend, I'm not sitting down breaking down the card. I'm just, you know, I'm sitting, I'm going to go through it, make my picks, and then early picks, and then I'll, I'll solidify it. I need to try to, I'll start getting my official picks out. On uh, on social media before the fight card on maybe Friday or Saturday morning. I'll start doing that, getting better at that. But I'm going to go Tafa via round one knockout. Um, women's strawweight bout. Mackenzie Dern, late notice replacement, I believe. She's coming off that knockout loss in November um, to Jessica Andrade. Uh, you know, she's kind of, it's a weird point in her career. You know, she she won four in a row, then lost to Marina Rodriguez. Then she beat Tisha Torres. Then she lost to Young Chanon. Then she beat Angela Hill. Then she lost to Andrade. I don't know. I don't love that she's back already, um, especially against Lemos, who I really like. Uh, Lemos had lost to Andrade and then beat Watterson, then beat Marina Rodriguez via knockout, then lost to uh, uh, Jean Wiley for the title. I'm going to go Amanda Lemos via round two stoppage. I think she gets a knockout in round two. I just don't think Dern should be taking this fight at all. Um, it's a tough fight for her. I gotta, I'm going to guess... I'm going to guess that Taffa's the favorite. Yeah, I'll do that before. I'm going to go Taffa. I'm going to guess he's the favorite. 
I'm going to say Lamosh is a pretty big favorite over uh, Mackenzie Dern. Then one of my favorite fighters, Roman Kopilov, 32 years old. Um, lost his first two fights in the UFC. He's won four straight since, all by knockout. He has 12 wins in his career, 11 of them by knockout. He's only been in the scorecards twice. Um, I love it. He's, he's just so fun to watch. And he's taking on Anthony Hernandez. Um, Anthony Hernandez is on a four-fight win streak. Um, three stoppages, two submissions, TKO, and a decision win. He had lost to Kevin Holland um, back in 2020. But again, he's he's uh, he's gotten out four straight wins. So this is a great fight. Um, oof. He's more of the submission guy. Seven submission wins out of 11 wins. But I'm going to go with my dude Roman Kopilov. And I'm going to go Roman Kopilov via round two knockout. And then here's where we go. These next four are just, oh my goodness. Henry Cejudo, Marab, Devalas Wheelie. Henry Sudo, obviously retired in 2020 after defending the title against Dominic Cruz, came back and got an immediate title shot, lost a razor, razor close fight to Aljamain Sterling, um, and this is going to be different. This is going to be tough, um, I, and I think Sudo said if I can't beat Marab and I can't stay at the top, then I'm, I, you know, I probably, I probably retire. Marab's won one, two, three. He started off his UFC career, two straight losses since then, one, Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine wins, all by decision. Besides one, the TKO Marlon Moraes. I'm going to go. It's a tough one to pick. I think this. I think this might be the toughest fight on the card to pick. Sudo and Marab. I'm going to go Sudo via decision. Actually, though, I think Sudo's wrestling can keep him. Uh, it's gonna. It's gonna be. Marab's facing a guy that's going to be more even with him on wrestling. If not, actually, he's wrestling wise, Cejudo is actually better. But Marab's Marab's uh, pace and relentlessness is what's going to be different for Cejudo. But I think Cejudo can match it. I think Cejudo is a much better striker than Marab. So that's why I'm going to go Cejudo via decision. That's a great fight, though. Then we got Ian Machado Gary coming back, um, thirteen no coming off the his biggest one of his career decision win over Magny, where he just dominated. He's now taking on the next toughest test of his career in Jeff Neal, who is coming off the loss to Shavkat. Uh, before that, he had won two in a row, Vicente Luque and Santiago Ponzinibbio. Uh, I think this is a, in my opinion, this is a mismatch. I think Jeff Neal is going to be too slow in there with Machado Gary. I'm not sure if Gary can knock him out. I'm going to go Ian Machado Gary via decision over Jeff Neal. Um, in the co-main event, Robert Whitaker, Paulo Costa. This is going to be exciting. I don't know when's the last time Paulo fought. Twenty twenty two of August, he beat Luke Rockhold. I mean, before that though, he had lost to Vittori and Israel Adesanya. He's not active at all. He did not fight in twenty twenty three. I worry about that for him. He's kind of a loose cannon. Will he actually end up showing up? I don't know. It's strange. Robert Whitaker, obviously one of the greatest middleweights ever, coming off a. Um, how do I put it? Maybe the worst loss of his career. I mean, Israel knockout was bad at middleweight, but he got his ass beat by Drakus Duplessis. Before that, he had beaten Marvin Vittori. Um, and then before that, he had lost to Izzy. He, did, he fought once in 2023. I'm going to take Whitaker here. I'm going to take Whitaker via decision. It's only a three-round fight, and I don't know if he can knock out Paul Acosta or submit him. But yeah, we're going to go. I think all three of these, well, I think Cejudo, Duvalis really would be very entertaining. I think Machado Gary fight with uh, Jeff Neal will be entertaining, but it's going to be fairly one sided. But I think Paulo Costa and Robert Whitaker are going to be batshit crazy. And then we got the main event Alexander Volkanovsky defending 
his uh, undisputed featherweight title against unbeaten Ilya Taporia. Taporia, 5-0 and in the UFC. Um, three finishes, two decisions. Coming off the decision win over Josh Emmett, where he basically just beat the, beat the brakes off Josh Emmett, which that wins aging a little better. Um, beat the brakes off of him. Uh, he had Bryce Mitchell submission arm triangle. He knocked out Jai Herbert. Knocked out, or sorry, he has he has six fights in the UFC. My fault. Three stoppages or four stoppages, two decisions. Knocked out Damon Jackson. But this is a jump. Um, and you know, I think Ilya Tapori at twenty seven is possibly the future of the sport and the future of this division with Volk at thirty five. And obviously says you know there's a curse about being thirty five and a champion. Um, Volk obviously coming off the. Head kick knockout loss to Islam Mahachev. He has not lost, though, at featherweight in the UFC. He has not lost at featherweight in the UFC. He's undefeated. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve 10, 11. 12-0 at featherweight, 0-2 oh at lightweight. Both those losses come into pound, the pound-for-pound pound number one king, Islam Mahachev, via decision the first time where he arguably won. And then, in my opinion, a very bad judgment call by taking the fight on late notice against a guy like Islam getting head kick knocked out in the first round. How will he return? I'm nervous for him. I'm not going to lie. I am nervous for Alexander Volkanovsky, you know, just taking that fight, getting head kicked. No, I don't know. But I'm not going to bet against the great. And I'm going to go Alexander Volkanovsky via decision. Again, a lot of decisions, but I just think these fights are so close and it's going to be tough to get finishes. Um, I think if there is a finish in this fight, it comes from Volkanovski maybe not recovered from getting knocked out and maybe coming back a little too soon. You know, he just got knocked out in October, November. That's only four months. That's only four months ago. Uh, and I think, guys, when you get knocked out, you should take at least six months off and then fight probably nine months after, uh, eight months after. But here we are. I think Volk by decision. I'm not going to bet against him. I'm sure the odds are going to say it's close. Um, but let's look at him right now. So De Lima versus Taffa. Where are we gonna go with? We're gonna go with. Uh, we're gonna go with Fanduel. Mackenzie Dern plus. Oh no, sorry, Justin. Oh, De Lima is the favorite at minus one fifty six. The Taffa's plus one twenty two. Okay. Mackenzie Dern's a slight favorite. Mackenzie Dern a slight under only a slight underdog at plus one eighteen to minus one fifty. Man, I would have thought at least minus two. Ro Roman Kopilov plus one fifty eight to Anthony Hernandez minus two hundred five. I like a lot of dogs. Like a lot of dogs are slight favorites. Cejudo plus one fifty two. I like him. Tim Robbs one ninety six. Jeff Neal's plus one eighty six. Ian Gary minus two forty five. That's understandable. Whitaker's minus two twenty. Minus two twenty. Costas plus one sixty eight. Volk is now minus one twenty to minus one hundred four. So almost a pick em between Volk and Taporia. Wow, that is shocking. All right. Well, yeah. I cannot wait for Saturday. ESPN Plus pay-per-view. Going to be a phenomenal card. And let's get into the mock draft post-Super Bowl. Get a quick drink and then we'll go. All right. 14.0. 2024. NFL mock draft post-Super Bowl. No trades. Number one pick, Chicago Bears at one. Take Caleb Williams, quarterback, North uh, North Carolina, at a USC. Again, I just think he's the overall best prospect in the draft and a generational talent. Redskins at two. Take Drake May, quarterback, North Carolina. Patriots also go quarterback here. Jaden Daniels, quarterback, LSU. And with the no trade mocks, these have kind of the top four has kind of been the same here. Marvin Harrison Jr. to the Cardinals at four, wide receiver, Ohio State. This is where I kind of flipped a little. 
I'm having the Chargers take a tackle this time. I know people can say, man, you can't pass up on Brock Bowers, but man, you got to protect your guy, Herbert. And he gets hit a lot. And he's he's been banged up quite a bit. So I'm going to go Olu Fashanu, the offensive tackle out of Penn State, to the Chargers at five. Giants, instead of a receiver here, I'm pivoting to Brock Bowers, tied in out of Georgia. Um, I think he's just the best weapon next, next best weapon. I think it's Marvin Harrison, then Brock Bowers. So I would take Bowers next over the other receivers. Titans at seven, go with the next best tackle, Joe All out of Notre Dame. Again, they need to protect Will Levis. Falcons hired a defensive guy. He wants to build that defense. Dallas Turner, the edge out of Alabama at eight to the Falcons. Bears at nine, they took Caleb. This could obviously be a tackle. This could still be a defense player, but I'm going to go add another weapon next to Cole Komet and DJ Moore. Give me Malik Neighbors, wide receiver out of LSU. Stud there to the Bears at nine. Jets at 10, go J.C. Latham, offensive tackle Alabama. You have to keep Rodgers upright. You need to get a tackle in there. Vikings at 11. This is obviously a uh, place where a quarterback could go, and this could change depending on what happens with Kirk Cousins this offseason. Um, but I'm going to go right now. Terry on Arnold, the best cornerback in this draft out of Alabama to the Vikings at 11. Broncos at 12. I'm going Bo Nix, the quarterback out of Oregon. I know I've had Penix, but, you know, just I've just been thinking, really diving into the rankings. I think Bo Nix is probably the better prospect here. Uh, you know, I think, you know, Penix's injury history is going to be a concern. Bo Nix had two really, really good years at Oregon. I think he's the right, he's the right quarterback to go for, the fourth quarterback to go. So Bo Nix, quarterback out of Oregon to the Broncos at 12. Raiders at 13. I'm going Troy Fatanu, offensive lineman out of Washington. Obviously another spot that could be quarterback. Um, you've heard some rumblings, though, about they wouldn't mind a Russell Wilson addition uh, for a year and wait till next year's draft to make a move for a quarterback where it's going to I don't think it's – it's just not going to be good. So they would have to be bad again to get one of the top guys. But there have been some guys staying back at school, so it could be better than we think. Shador, Quinn Ewers, Carson Beck stayed, so you never know. Uh, Saints at 14. I'm going Jared Versay, the edge of Washington – or edge of Florida State. You know, it's just great value here at 14 to get Versay, just the way the board fell. Colts at 15. They get a stud weapon for Anthony Richardson. Romo Dunze, the wide receiver out of Washington, to pair next to Michael Pittman. Great pairing there for the Colts. Uh, Seahawks at 16 go Latu Latu, the uh, edge at a UCLA. Oh, yeah, so the Raiders took Troy Fitani. I think I said that, but yeah, the Raiders took Troy Fitani, the offensive lineman out of Washington. He's climbing boards, and I, I like him a lot. He He's argument for the third best lineman in this draft. It's just, will he be overvalued, or will he get a little more undervalued because people might see him as a guard? Uh, Jaguars, though, take Tyrese Fuaga, the offensive tackle at Oregon State. Again, just got to keep Trevor Lawrence upright. He gets hit way too much. Bengals at 18, you could definitely say tackle here, but I think they might lose T. Higgins this offseason. Give me a big body receiver to go next to Jamar Chase, Keon Coleman, wide receiver out of Florida State. Rams, I think it's a defensive pick most likely. You know, you nail, you don't need a weapon. You still have Cup. Obviously, you're getting older, but you still have Cup. You have Puka Nakua, you got Higby, good running back. I don't think you're looking at Stafford replacement yet. Uh, give me Cooper DeGene, the defensive back out of Iowa, to go to the Rams at 19. Steelers at 20. Again, if you're going to keep Pickett, you got to give him a chance by keeping him upright. Uh, give me Tyler Guyton, the offensive tackle out of OU, who's flying up boards as well. Um, Dolphins at 21. I'm going to go an edge here. Chop Robinson. I think this is just, again, the way the board's gone, great value here for them. They need help at edge. Jalen Phillips, obviously, uh, bad injury. ACL or Achilles, uh, whichever it was, bad injury. Get an edge like Chop Robinson here at 21. Great value. Eagles at 22. It's got to be secondary, man. That secondary was poor. Give me Nate Wiggins, the cornerback out of Clemson. Texans, I like boosting up their interior here. Drazon Newton, interior defense alignment out of Illinois to the Texans at 23. Cowboys, 
Definitely got to be thinking O-lineman with the age of Tyron Smith. Preferably offensive tackle. Obviously, I'm going to go Marius Mims, offensive tackle out of Georgia. Uh, Packers at 25. I'm going to go Cameron Kinchins, the uh, safety out of Miami. They do need they do need some help at safety. Tackle could be a look, but I think really after Marius Mims, I already had seven offensive I was seven offensive linemen gone in the first round. I think after that, Marius Mims, it's a little bit of a drop-off. Uh, Buccaneers at 26. I'm going to go Brian Thomas Jr., wide receiver LSU. I think there is a chance that Mike Evans leaves, and uh, I think you'll need to replace that, help Baker out, because they, ba- they definitely want to keep Baker. So get him an, another weapon out there, a young weapon like Brian Thomas. Cardinals, their second pick. Obviously got Marvin Harrison earlier here at 27. They're going to take Quinion Mitchell, the cornerback out of Toledo, who's just been rising and rising up boards. He looks to be a – he could be a real special talent. He really could, and they need – they need secondary help bad. Uh, Bills at 28. I think interior interior defense lineman to help run stuff. And just, they need some help in the interior. I'm going to go another interior defense lineman here. Brian, I think it's a really good interior defense lineman class. Byron Murphy, the interior D lineman out of Texas. Um, Lions at 29. Again, I think secondary is a need. So I'm going to go Kool-Aid McKintry, cornerback out of Alabama. Uh, Ravens, I'd like a wide receiver. For Lamar, I know they drafted Zay, but I think they. I don't think Bateman and Odell are the answers. They're two, three, so I'm going to go Troy Franklin, the wide receiver out of Oregon, and the team who finished runner up in the Super Bowl, the 49ers. Um, I think that the Niners are going to lose a lot of defense alignment. I don't think you're going to be able to keep a lot all of them. So I'm going to actually go Braylon Trice, the edge out of Washington. I think he's a really good player. He's also he's great in the run as well as pa- rushing the passer. So I really like that pick and the. Reigning two-time Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going to go Jalen Polk, wide receiver of Washington. I still think they need to draft a receiver for sure. I know Justin Watson had a great game. Hardman had a great game. I don't care. It was the game. It was one game. Obviously the biggest game, but they still need to build for the future wide receiver. Jalen Polk next to Rasheed Rice for the future. I love. Um, and that was probably, what, that had to have been seven? One, two, three. They only get six. Nope, seven receivers in the first round, seven offensive linemen in the first round. So damn near half the first round was offensive linemen and wide receiver. I think those are two really, really strong uh, spots. And I still think there's a lot of strong offensive linemen left that weren't picked in round that will be coming in round two and receiver. It's very strong at receiver and uh, offensive line. I think those are the two positions I like the most in this class. Um, but yeah, so there's my 14.0 mock draft post-Super Bowl, man. What a Super Bowl it was. And uh, yeah, so tomorrow night we'll be back. Uh, post-game KU Texas Tech reaction with me and Felix. It'll be a KB Shorts you know, 20, 30 minutes long, and then we'll be back Friday night or Saturday morning with uh, KB and the boys, episode six. But thank you all for listening. Hope you all had a great Super Bowl Sunday. Love you all, and talk to you tomorrow. Peace.